The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hot, hot, hot. All right, welcome back, Making Monsters. I'm Taylor Dahl. This is Dylan Ryan. This is our last episode before the regular season is officially here, Dylan, because next week we are off. Unfortunately. Um, yes, but your girlfriend's in town, so you're spending time with her. I'm, we're just kind of agreed to a certain number of podcasts before the regular season started, and we hit those. Yeah, so, so just a, l- a little you know, a little break little before we have this, what is it, like six straight months of football, whatever <laughs> yeah. it is. So I think we're, we're allowed to do that. All right, well, the big news of this podcast which is so funny because i feel like this is the third time i've said it now dylan every time we do a position group something crazy is happening or something something has been solved around that position group yes yes. so when we were talking about the offensive line the tevin stuff was going on and tevin had i want to say it was when he was not going to camp and all of that stuff and then the next week that was solved and then we had um what was the other Jaquan one? Jaquan Brisker was having like he's yes, playing amazing. Jaquan Brisker, yeah. and so we got to talk about Brisker, and then now Roquan Smith, all of that. He said he wanted, he requested a trade, and then now here we are doing our defensive front episode, and he's back. Yes, he is back, and he's playing. So it is. I mean, I don't know. Like, it's fun to have him back, but also at the same time, I don't love how he came back. You know, I'd love there to be a nice little fun press conference. He signs a deal. We mm-hmm. take some pictures. Everything's great, but unfortunately, not the case. And it's going to drag into the offseason. And I don't know. This is one of those things where, like, we're going to get more into it in our interview later. But, like, mm-hmm. I just think that I don't want him to have any disdain towards the Bears going forward, which will only make things harder. And I feel like the way he reacted to that, it feels like there might be a little bit of that. Yeah. The question for me is, like, I, I get it. I guess you can go to, like, McCaskey. But McCaskey isn't making these decisions because the people that have been here since he's been here are not here. Yes. And so that's the bottom line. And I, it was kind of frustrating. The, the more it went on, the more frustrated I was getting with Roquan and the less with the Bears. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think that, number one, he was shooting himself in the foot a lot with not having an agent. And the way he kind of handled it, the day that he decided to come out with everything, it, it just to me was very unpleasant. Um, and I think that Ryan Poles handled it well. We'll talk to Aaron Lemming. He writes for the Bears, for CBS Sports, and for Wendy City Gridiron. So we'll talk to him in a little bit coming up, and we'll go go into a little more depth with it and what he thinks. But in my opinion, I think Ryan Poles did what he should have done. I'm glad he stood his ground. I'm glad the first big move Ryan Poles 
made wasn't just caving into a player that he's never seen play on his team. Yeah. Um, and so that's the bottom line for it. I think that Roquan, if he goes off and he has a stellar year, which I truly think he can, Roquan's that guy who's not going to – he's been consistent since he got here to Chicago. He was consistent. We can all go back to Georgia. That was just who Roquan Smith was. Um, so I think that we can expect a big season – we can expect big numbers from Roquan, and it may not be statistical because this defense is a different defense from what we've seen, and Roquan and Eberflus, they're not that type of defense that are racking up sacks for multiple players. That's just not the player Roquan is anyways. So, But you can see every other number. You can see tackles for loss. You can see solo tackles. You can just see the impact he makes on the field, and I do think we will have that, and I do think a conversation will be had between him and Ryan Poles at the end of the season, and Ryan Poles will be like, look, that's all I wanted was to see you play when I'm here, when I'm yeah. the GM and you're playing for the coach that I brought in. Um, so I think that is an important part of it. Uh, so I get it. It's it's kind of weird right now because it does feel like a little bit of tension, but I do think that once the season really gets going and Roquan starts playing well and chatter starts happening, and I do think him and Ryan Poles will have more conversations of what that contract should look like. Yeah. Um, for me, I do think the thing that kind of like scares me, I guess, in a way, because I do, I do agree with you on all that, because you don't want to just cave to the player and just give him whatever he wants, because like at the end of the day, like he is a middle linebacker. There's only so much value he brings to the team. But the thing that, the thing that kind of scares me, I would say, is like, look what's happening in Cincinnati with Jesse Bates, mm-hmm. where like they've had this kind of situation where it's like they tagged him back-to-back years, the relationship seems really frayed, and like it just seems like things between him and the front office aren't really great. And like they're supposed to be contending for a Super Bowl, and like one of their best defensive players isn't happy. Yeah. So like I don't want to be where the Bears two years down the road, where like ideally they're starting to contend, and Roquan Smith still doesn't have a deal. Yeah. And that would be something where I'm just like, I, that'd just be a nightmare for me. Yeah. So I don't see, and that's why I was saying I see a deal happening. Like, I don't mm-hmm. see Ryan Poles waiting. Even though Roquan did make a comment saying he w- wouldn't even, he kind of said he wouldn't mind being tagged for one year. I think players start getting frustrated when you know you deserve a contract and it's like back-to-back tags. Yes. So these guys understand that there's teams that have, like there is a full team that has to be paid for and the Bears are in rebuilding mode. So there's money that has to be spent everywhere. Luckily, the Bears have a decent amount of money this next offseason to spend. I want to say top three highest, to maybe top maybe the most it's, it's one of the few things the bears do have is yes. money to spend yes so. and it was not that this off se- this last off season so that's another thing that you just have to understand is he was like i want money now i want money now well we got about five dollars so what yeah. do you want right now because we don't have it um but next year we do so play play through your contract which is what he's doing um so we're at least he's back because like i don't even want to really think about this defense without roquan smith um and that's what we're here for today. We're here to talk about Roquan. We're here to talk about the linebackers. We're here to talk about that defensive front because we've gone through all the other position groups now. And I think that there's exciting things on every level. And we've talked about that. We didn't talk about the quarterback room as a whole because there's, there's, no, there's, there's Justin, Justin Fields. Fields. I mean, if you really want to, we can do a couple hours on Nathan Peterman. Yeah. <laughs> if, if this was last year, we would have Foles and Dalton and Fields that we could uh, jump into. Please but I'm glad we're me. not. Don't remind me about <laughs> I'm that I'm glad time. we're not doing that. All right. Well, now we're going to uh, jump into the interview with Aaron Lemming. He is a Bears writer for CBS Sports and for Wendy City Gridiron, which is what we do the podcast here for. So it's kind of cool. We can all tie this together. Um, but let's jump to this interview with Aaron. All right, so this is our defensive episode, Dylan, and we are joined by Aaron Lemming. He writes for the Bears, for CBS Sports, or on the Bears for CBS Sports, and for Windy City Gridiron, which we do this podcast for, so it all kind of joins together, but it's convenient 
because the Roquan Smith situation kind of just settled itself, at least for the time being. So uh, that's part of the reason I want Aaron on here. So Aaron, thanks again for hopping on with us. I want to jump to that right away. Uh, Roquan Smith, how do you feel Ryan Poles handled the situation with Roquan? You know, I, I thought it got off to a very interesting start, obviously, with Roquan Smith going to the media, leaking what he did through Ian Rappaport. It was an interesting look, and it didn't really look good for the Bears right out of the gate. And then Ryan Poles did something that a Bears GM hasn't done and for I, I, I can't even remember how long, and he actually came out and addressed the situation and, and I think made a, a lot of people feel better. So I think ultimately what this comes down to is if Roquan Smith had an agent, I think the, the Bears and him would have a deal done. And unfortunately, they don't. It's not 100% on Roquan Smith. It's not 100% on the Bears. But it's it's a tough situation. It's it's not a simple solution to where you say, okay, this is the regime that drafted him. This is a regime this is a regime that has actually seen him play in the same you know defensive scheme, anything like that. Like this is a, a very new situation. So I think ultimately what this comes down to is if Roquan Smith goes out and has a really good year, like most expect him to, I think the bears will end up paying him and I think they'll be able to come to some common ground. But as of right now, I think the bears handled it about as well as you possibly can, because the majority of the risk right now is on Roquan Smith, you know, to not get hurt, to be able to produce well. I think that that's where a lot of the pressure lies. You brought up a really good point there about the agent thing. And uh, something I've tried to draw a lot of parallels in my own personal view is the Lamar Jackson, Lamar Jackson situation in Baltimore, where pretty much ever since he's won his MVP, people have been discussing his contract extension. When is it going to come? When is it going to come? And he doesn't have an agent either. And there's been a lot of hiccups in that process as well. Do you see a lot of similarities between the two? I do in some ways. I think I, I think the biggest difference in where Roquan Smith loses a lot of leverage is the fact that he's an inside linebacker, right? He's, a, he's an off-the-ball linebacker. I mean, there, there's not a huge value for that. If you look at the contracts that have been signed and the top contracts at that position, you have Shaquille Leonard and you have, uh, you know, you have Fred Warner, and both of those guys are sitting just under $20 million. And the gap between those two and the next highest-paid guy is over $4.5 million per year. So I think – that that's where, yes, there are similarities. I think that, you know, while I understand that players, you know, are trying to get away from agents, there's a reason that agents are still used. That 3% fee, all that stuff, I understand that, you know, some of these players want to save that. But at the same time, you save feelings getting hurt. You actually have a guy in the room who knows what he's doing that is able to negotiate a contract. And more importantly, as we've seen with the Roquan Smith situation, you also have a guy that understands the CBA and the fact that you can't just call around to other teams and claim you're a representative of a player because that's just not how it works. So there's just, it's, it's a complicated business and it's a business. And I think ultimately some of these players get a little too on the personal side and they, they think a little too one track minded. And while I understand that at, at the same time, it still is a business. And I think that's where you're kind of seeing the disconnect with Roquan. And I think ultimately Lamar Jackson is going to get paid. It's just a matter of time before that happens. I think that the Roquan Smith situation is still a little bit more up in the air. Yeah, Aaron, I think the interesting thing to me when I really was looking at some of these contracts because he was, you know, it was coming out saying he wanted to be the highest and among the highest. And as you pointed out, the two guys there uh, with Leonard and then Fred Warner, when I really looked at Fred Warner's contract, it kind of it was interesting to me because a lot of people were saying Roquan didn't like the Bears offer because it was so backloaded. But Fred Warner's contract is super backloaded, even more so of some of the rumors of what we were hearing Roquan's may have been. Do you think it was if it was that backloaded situation, or do you think there was some more possible, some clauses in there that Roquan just didn't quite agree with? 
Yeah, I, I think it's a multitude of different things. I think first and foremost, I think the, the overall guaranteed and the overall, let's just say the overall money of the contract, I think is, is probably the biggest dispute right now, right? I mean, if, if the thing's backloaded and he's making $23 million a year, I don't think he's really going to care that much that it's backloaded. But I think really what comes down to, you know, the guarantees are obviously a big part of it. And he's also talked about the escalators and mm-hmm. It's just, I don't know, it's a weird situation because unfortunately without hearing both sides of it, without seeing any actual numbers, it's really hard to, you know, sit back and really look at the deal and be able to, you know, really evaluate whatever side it is. But I do think it is multiple different factors going into this as to why he's not happy. But I think ultimately if the if the guarantees and the overall, you know, average value lined up at, you know, 22 or $23 million a year, I don't think he would have an issue. I think that that is the bigger issue, but I think it's a multitude of different things that he's just not happy with. Yeah, I mean, I think that bottom line, Roquan's back right now, and it's uh, very important for the Bears' defense. So let's talk about that a little bit. Roquan, being back at camp right away was making an impact on the defense from tweets that I was seeing, and I know uh, media couldn't say a whole lot, but what they were was a tackle on David Montgomery, I think it was. That was a tackle for loss that everybody was immediately talking about. How significant is it uh, for Roquan to be back on the defense as this regular season kicks off in a few weeks? No, I think it's huge. I mean, ultimately, at least as of right now, I mean, he's their best player. You know, obviously the NFL 100 list just released and he was, what, the 83rd player and Robert Quinn was in front of him. But I think I think we can all agree a 25-year-old um, All-Pro is probably going to be one of your best players, not only on defense, um, but, you know, on the team as a whole. I think it's, it's huge getting him back. I think it's also going to be interesting to see just how well he slots in at will versus Mike. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's huge for the defense. And I think the defense has a lot more upside this year than the offense is going to. And I think there's, you know, the, the overall expectations should be much different between the two units. When Roquan Smith, I remember his rookie year, he had that initial holdout. And a lot of Bears fans felt like it affected his play initially when he wasn't able to get good training camp going and everything and get with the new coaching staff. And he had the hold in this time around. Do you think that it's going to have any effect on his play with Eberflus coming in and installing his new systems? Or do you think he's going to be able to slide in right, right fine and just be Roquan? I, I think he's going to be completely fine. I think there's there's a little bit of a different situ- situation. <clears throat> Sorry, when you look at the difference between what Roquan Smith is going through right now and what a guy like Allen Robinson went through. And, and I, I just think you're talking about two different players where, you know, Allen Robinson knew he was going to get paid. Maybe not. I'm sure he was probably expecting a little bit more than what he got from the Rams. But I think in a situation with Roquan Smith, the market is just much different. I mean, he's either going to get paid what he's asking or he's not. And I don't know that one average year or one, you know, slightly below average year is really going to change that much for him, especially if he was to hit the market. So I I think that he's going to go out highly motivated. I mean, he's already even said too, you know, with a fifth year option, he said, Hey, fifth year option, that's a lot of money. Um, I, you know, I wouldn't be against it. So I think really what this comes down to is he's seeing money as respect. And I think that, you know, for, for, in order to get respect, obviously you go out and you, you play as hard as you can. I, I think he's going to have a huge year. And I think that ultimately it's going to end up working out for both sides. Now we look at the linebacker group as a whole. Unfortunately, we saw Matt Adams suffer an injury in the game last week um, against Seattle. And so how significant is that? Or do you think that between Joe Thomas and Nick Morrow and even a guy like Jack Sanborn, who we've seen a lot of, that they'll be able to fill those in without it being a, a big gap? Well, the good news is, is Matt Adams was actually has been back at practice the last few days. Oh, wow. So even better. That's definitely. A, yeah, that's. 
Yeah, exactly. That's definitely a plus on that side. I think the bigger concern when you're looking at, you know, injuries uh, at the linebacker position is probably going to be Caleb Johnson, man. That did not look good at all. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess the only plus side for him is that they didn't put him on IR to, you know, clear one of those roster spots to get down to 80. But I think ultimately Adams will end up being fine. I think really what you're looking at is now that you have Roquan Smith back, you're going to have, you know, obviously Roquan Smith, uh, Nick Morrow, and then I would guess Matthew Adams is probably going to be that Sam. Um, And then Joe Thomas will probably be your primary backup. And then between Sanborn, uh, you know, and then uh, Demarcus Gates is another guy that's been pretty dang impressive so far. But I think you've you've got a pretty solid group, not a great, but a solid group of linebackers there. And it's kind of headlined by Roquan, but they have some interesting depth. And personally, what I'd like to see happen um, as the season goes on, assuming one of, if not both, of Sanborn and Gates end up making the team, I'd like to see them get some more snaps as the season goes on. I mean, really, you know, Adams is a veteran. Uh, Joe Thomas is over the age of 30. You'd like to see if you have some future pieces, even if it is Sam, even if that guy is only on the field for 30% of the snaps, it's still a win if you can get some sort of production out of a, uh, you know, an undrafted free agent or somebody that you just signed from, you know, the, the, I can't even remember what was it. The USFL is where Gates came from, something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Was he? He's their MVP, like, right? Low... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I mean, that's what, that's what I'm saying. I mean, if you can get some sort of value um, for such a a low risk uh, investment, I, I I think that you can count that as a huge one. Uh, sticking with the defense and slightly transitioning away from line. Well, someone who used to be a linebacker now no longer is a linebacker mm-hmm. in a new system. Travis Gibson. He's someone that last year really impressed me and I was a huge fan of him. Do you think he's going to have an even better year going forward this season? I think it's going to be interesting. The the the, the defensive ends as a whole, um, you know, I don't put a ton of stock into outside linebacker versus defensive end because ultimately you're going to be in nickel packages about 70% of the time. You're all playing the same role anyway. I, I don't think that's a huge deal. But what I do think is going to be a huge change with this team and this overall defense is the fact that the Colts last year, uh, they had two guys on the entire defensive uh, team that that played over 70% of the snaps. So it was DeForest Buckner, Al-Qadim Muhammad. Those are the only two guys um, on the, I should say on the defensive front, my bad. Um, obviously, defensive backs, plus stuff are a little bit different of a story. But that just goes to show you that between defensive end and defensive tackle, they're going to rotate a lot, which means you're probably going to see a three, if not a four, at defensive end. Uh, you're going to see similar at defensive tackle as well. So I, with that being said, I mean, you look at a guy like Al-Qadim Muhammad, who was productive last year, but he only had six and a half sacks, right? So when you start looking at these edge rushers especially, I don't know that the production is going to be as high, but I do think that they're going to be fresher, and I think that when they are on the field, they're going to be a little bit more productive, but I do think overall the numbers could take a little bit of a hit because of the rotations that they're going to try to work in. Yeah, it sounds like what you're saying is that like there might be some slight hit on personal numbers, but the group as a whole will rise since everyone's going to be being used more. I think that's fair. I, I think that's a fair assessment. And quite frankly, it, you know, if you look at Matty Recluse's track record and, and that defensive staff, I mean, they have taken some pretty rough units, which I wouldn't say the Bears are, and taken some pretty rough units and, and turned them into good defenses right out of the gate. So I, I think the expectation shouldn't be sky high, but it definitely should be higher than what we saw last year. 
Yeah, because I think even when you look at, for example, Travis Gibson last year, and you mentioned Muhammad's numbers, they were very similar, honestly, and Gibson played a lot less snaps than Muhammad did um, as Gibson played in Chicago and Muhammad, obviously, and with the Colts. So it, we were kind of comparing that in one of our first podcasts, and I was like, it's kind of crazy to, to see these numbers on paper, but it makes sense with kind of, I guess, the scheme that Eberflus does run. One of the names that has really popped out to me within especially the last preseason game is Angelo Blackson. Uh, I just feel like he was kind of he got his hands on the ball a couple times. You saw him, you know, swarming the quarterback a little bit. He you really were seeing his name a lot more than you had previously. Is this a name that you see kind of in that rotation up front also? Oh, absolutely. I think Angelo Blackson's going to be probably he's going to be star if I had to guess, I think that he's going to be quote unquote starting at no tackle. I think him and uh, Kyrus Tonga will kind of, you know, rotate between the two noses. And I think he'll also uh, between the nose, I should say. And then uh, he, he will probably also see some time at three tech as well. I think Justin Jones is probably going to be that guy that is going to be on the field 60, 70% of the time. I think they put a lot of value into the three tech position, but I do think that Angelo Blackson is a guy that should see, I would guess, 50, 60% of the snaps because he does have some versatility on the interior. When we're talking about the defensive front, who would you say is someone that has surprised you so far with how they performed? Oh, really? I would say Jaquan Brisker, man. I mean, the, the, the fact that you know, a second round rookie, which is never a given. I mean, is, you know, following the team, covering the team, you know, however you want to, you know, ingest the bears. I mean, we've seen some interesting picks made in the second round where you feel good about him. You see him on the field and you're like, okay, what the heck just happened here? Like, who who is this guy? You know, uh, I think with, with Brisker and even, even Gordon to a lesser extent so far, I mean, man, Brisker, he had a he had a little bit of a rougher series, and I think uh, once once he kind of got his footing on uh, the first game, he just I mean he looked he looked like a game changer, and I think that that's going to be huge for the Bears defense. Uh, I think it's going to be huge for the team as a whole because when you're going through a rebuild, you have to have those kind of cornerstone pieces. And again, it's still early to say that he is, but so far he's been one of the more uh, impressive, uh, you know, performers that I've seen over the first two weeks of the preseason. Yeah, we had our defensive backs episode last week, and we could not stop talking about him. So I think we're all very excited about Jaquan. So yeah, and I think when you look at that, it's funny because I've been kind of going back and forth with people on Twitter, and they constantly talk about that first series, and they're like, "Well, when he was against starters, I was like, he's going against Patrick Mahomes in his first series in the NFL. Like, give it a second. I was like, the moment he started getting any sort of traction, it was just nonstop, and all you talked about was Jaquan Brisker. So I think we. Could, I, I think we can say he's definitely one of the upsides. But speaking of him, because I think one of the things that I remember, obviously, um, living here in Jacksonville and also covering the Jaguars was we get to play the Colts twice. And the Colts uh, defense as a whole was was a little bit scary, but they had issues when it came to the pass defense. They had one of the higher end of t- pass touchdowns allowed and passing yards allowed in the league. The run defense was completely opposite of that. Do you think that the the secondary that the Bears have would be able to contain that the, the pass uh, offense a little bit more for the, the opposing teams? I, I think that that is definitely what they're aiming for. I, I think, you know, just look at the draft and what they did in the draft. I mean, their first two picks with as much talent as they needed offensively, they went, you know, with two defensive picks. And again, it was best player available. I get all that. You know, those guys were on the top of the board. I, you know, not debating that at all. But I think the fact that both of those guys were defensive back picks, 
I think says a lot. And that's the most that the Bears have really invested in their secondary in quite a few years. Felt like they got a little too comfortable, um, you know, after the Vic Fangio era was over and they didn't really do a whole lot. Kyle Fuller kind of fell off and obviously got released last year. Jalen Johnson was really the only decent um, investment that they made. So, yeah, I, I think that there's there's very clearly um, some value being put into that secondary. And I think that's huge, especially with some of the building blocks that they already have. Um, what area of the defense do you think concerns you the most? I would say probably the defensive line right now. Um, because, again, I mean, you look at Robert Quinn, he's never going back probably about six or seven years. He hasn't pieced together two really good seasons, right? And then you look at the interior defensive line, and, you know, for as much as we, we've talked about how good Angelo Blackson has looked, I mean, Angelo Blackson has mainly been a rotational piece. Mm-hmm. Um, Justin Jones has never really been somebody who's been a proven starter um, or a proven plus starter, I guess I should say. You look at a guy like Kairos Tonga, you know, a late-round pick last year, uh, Mario Edwards Jr. been pretty dang inconsistent his entire career as well. I think that if you're looking for one area on the defense uh, that is going to be a big question mark and can, you know, have a big impact on what they do this next offseason, it's going to be that interior line because that's especially at the three tech uh, position, that's that's a huge part of this defense as we've seen in the past, as Matt Eberflus has talked about, and as Bears have shown this offseason trying to go out and get guys. I think that that is going to be the key, not only just getting them the passer, but also in, in terms of stopping the run. I mean, that's where you, this whole 4-3 front, there's a little bit more responsibility on those two defensive tackles. Yeah, and I think when we look at the team even as a whole, Aaron, I, a lot of the national media, of course, are ranking the Bears last in almost everything you can possibly rank somebody in. And I think none of us are expecting a stellar football team, but I do think that some of the position groups may be better than what they may look on the outside just because they are players that are either very young and still proving themselves or are getting second chances somewhere, and sometimes it clicks with those second chance places. Yeah, I agree. I mean, really, in in the beginning of a rebuild like this, I mean, the only thing you could do is throw as many darts at the board as possible and hope you hit on a few things, and I think that's exactly what the Bears are trying to do. And all you got to do is go back between, you know, 2017 season and 2018 season with the Bears and, and just look at the large amounts of development that happened, um, you know, between 2017 and 2018. And just to kind of see, you know, how many, uh, you know, cornerstone pieces and just overall pieces that they ended up garnering over that two year span. I mean, the the NFL is a year-to-year league for a reason. And that's why you see, you know, on average, four new playoff teams every year is because development happens. It can happen quickly. Um, rosters can change very quickly. I mean, the Bears are going to flip over 50% of their week one roster from last year to this year. I mean, it's just that's just kind of the nature of the NFL, especially when you're a rebuilding team uh, with a lot of cap space uh, moving towards next year. I, I think that, you know, it's just it's it's too hard to tell this early in the season who's going to be awful and who's not. I think the Bears will probably be in that bottom 10. But to just simply say that they are, you know, unquestionably the worst team when, I mean, all you got to do is watch Seattle. All you got to do is watch Atlanta. Um, you know, Jacksonville, at least in my opinion, um, is, is definitely a little overrated. And I know that's probably probably bad to say, you know, being on the <laughs> podcast. But no, it, no, you're at the same time, it, it's just. It's just one of those situations, even the Jets, right, where mm-hmm. you usually see the same teams every year that, that you know, they're supposedly going to take these steps. I, I don't know. I, we'll see. I, I think the Bears are going to be better coached this year. They may be lacking talent. 
Uh, but I, I, I still don't think they're going to be, a, you know, that the worst team in the league, unquestionably. That just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Do you think they're better than Detroit? Uh, on first glance, no, I don't. Okay. I, I think that the, the, the Lions are a little bit, little bit further along in their rebuild. I think they've attacked, attacked the rebuild a little bit differently. Obviously, Jared Goff, at quarterback, is the biggest question, but... Man, they got a good offensive line. They got some good, uh, you know, they get they got some good weapons. Um, you talk about receiver and tight end, and then you look at the defense, and there is some upside there. And I think they have a outside of Dan Campbell. I'm not a big fan of Dan Campbell, hmm. uh, but outside of that, I think they've actually got a pretty decent coaching staff. Um, so, I think that they're going to take a decent step. Now, I don't, I'm not saying playoffs by any means, but if they win seven, eight games, it really wouldn't surprise me. And right now, I've got the Bears between five and six wins. Yeah, I have them at the same. So, all right, Aaron, before I let before we let you go, I have a few uh, more rapid fire type questions for you. You mentioned just on the defensive side of the ball, but what do you think is the weakest position group as a whole right now for the Bears? Weakest position group as a whole uh, for me would have to be offensive tackle. I mean, it's it's still between that and receiver, but I think not offensive tackle. I'm sorry, offensive line as a whole. I, I still think there's a lot of questions there. Yes. Um, okay. So, what do you see the receivers looking like week one? Obviously, Darnell Mooney as the one. Who do you see as those two threes as we head into uh, as the 49ers come to town? I think that it's going to be Byron Pringle in the slot, um, assuming that he's healthy, obviously. And I think EQ St. Brown is probably going to be your other starting receiver uh, on the you know on the boundary there. And I would guess that Bayless Jones Jr. is also going to see a decent amount of time. Yeah, I'm really hoping to see a little bit more of Equinemius uh, this weekend because I feel like I just haven't seen much. I've heard so much in camp, and I, I haven't really seen anything that I've loved yet because there hasn't been a whole lot in the preseason. But what position group do you think has made the most improvement this over the offseason? Man, I would have to say corner, and I know that's going to be a little bit of a projection, uh, but I think adding Kyler Gordon, having another year under the belt of Jalen Johnson, I think there's some intriguing names at the nickel position. Obviously, they got to get healthy between Thomas Graham um, and then also Tavon Austin, or Tavon uh, Young, I'm sorry. I always want to say Tavon Austin. Uh, Tavon Young, and then I think you know Jalen Jones has also been decently interesting as well. So I think that that is probably the one group where you can actually look and say, hey, they have depth pieces that are going to be depth pieces, and they have some they have some upside guys um, that should start and probably an upside guy or two that's going to be on the bench that can rotate in as well. Now, what are you expecting? You already said uh, you're a little bit disappointed in it at the moment, but what are you expecting the line to look like week one? Are we going to have four guys under their fo- in that, within that four-year contract all starting in front of Justin? Uh, I think it's a, a decent possibility. It seems that they they definitely want to have, you know, these young guys out there if they can. If I had to guess right now, I think it's going to be exactly what it has been, except for Lucas Patrick's going to be at center instead of Sam Musper. I think you're looking at probably Braxton Jones, left tackle, uh, Cody Way here, uh, left guard, um, you know, and then, you know, looking over to the other side and, you know, probably uh, Tevin Jenkins at right guard and then Larry Borm at uh, right tackle and, Again, I, I would assume that Lucas Patrick will be back by then. So mm-hmm. I think that's probably what you're going to be looking at. Yeah, and I remember them saying he should be back by week one. I just haven't heard much, so I wasn't totally sure. But last one for you, expectations for Justin this season. If you could throw a little stat line out there, what would you say? Oh, man. See, the stat line's tough. That's hard. Uh, I would I say a, 
Yeah, it is. It is because there's just so many different, you know, different things that can happen, especially with what's around. And what I, here's what I will say. I, I think if you can get a 2019 type season um, out of, you know, like a Josh Allen type season out of him, I think that's good. So what, 35, 3,600 yards, I'll just call it 24 touchdowns, 12 interceptions, um, you know, two, 300 rushing yards. And just, I, I think the eye test is going to tell a lot more than a stat line will this year. All right. Well, thank you, Aaron, so much for joining us. Um, I love following around with that, uh, following along with everything you say, even though you're a White Sox fan, aren't you? I am. Unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, besides that, no, it's okay. Hey, it's um, not too fun to be a White Sox fan right now. If you look at the division ranking, so that's all right. All right. Well, thank you, Aaron. Uh, like I said, I look, I look forward to following along with everything you say. This because it's really fun to look at your Twitter and kind of see what your opinions on things because you don't um, shy away from being a vocal on certain things where I feel like some people do. So I appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, I appreciate you guys having me on and hopefully I'll keep people entertained and not pissed off on uh, <laughs> on Twitter this uh, this season. Bears fans are never not pissed off on Twitter. So, I mean, like, <laughs> I don't think we're gonna be able to accomplish that, but. All right. We'll, we'll chat with you <laughs> later. Thank true. you. All right. Thank you. Thanks. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, so Dylan, tell me your thoughts on what Aaron said with the Roquan situation because we touched on it briefly in the beginning, and you said you had some concerns uh, because of what could potentially happen in the future, but do you think that Ryan Poles handled this right? I will say talking to Aaron I think did make me feel a little bit better about things. Um, Initially when it did happen and all the situation was happening, it was just like we've got like one or two good players on this team mm-hmm. right now. There's a couple of players who could we be We had good. three on the top 100. Yeah, but like, okay, three, three, <laughs> three good players on this team, or at least here's about That have proven. It, that have proven and are going to be with us, you know, for like the long haul, yeah, yeah. or at least we want them to be, mm-hmm. you know? And the thing that was bothering me is just like, you finally have one of these players coming up for an extension and there's this big, this big public um, debate over it, this big public discourse about how things are going well, the trade requests, the sitting out, but not really sitting out stuff. And I was like, this feels like it's trending towards a messy breakup in my eyes mm-hmm. and talking to Aaron kind of made me feel more relaxed. Cause like you do have to recognize that it's part of the NFL these days where it's just like, it is a lot more public than it used to be in terms of negotiations. Yeah. You have a lot of, you're meetings. seeing and hearing everything. Yeah. And yeah. like, it's better at putting it. It's just like Roquan Smith also doesn't have an agent, which yeah. was a very big part of that interview. I felt like where it's just like, he is doing everything by himself. And yes, I'm sure he has advisors mm-hmm. that are like helping him out. But at the end of the day, like he represents himself and he is the one who makes the decisions on this stuff. So like, when it comes to like leaking stuff to the media or all that stuff, he's not dealing with someone who's done this for 20 years. He's mm-hmm. dealing with someone that's been in the league for what, four? Yeah. And so he's not very familiar with how this, all of this works. So. And you kind of saw that. Um, another thing he said that I really liked that he pointed out was Ryan Poles addressing the media immediately and how we don't see, we didn't see that before. And it is so true. There were so many times within the last five, you can go beyond that, I'm sure, five plus years, um, where you had so many questions. And when they, if the if they even did talk to the media and even made a time to be like, hey, we're going to come address this particular situation, it was very vague and it was very like, 
you got nothing answers. You got a lot of that out of Nagy. Anytime the media was talking to Nagy, you felt like you were just getting like, we're going to find the problem. And we're like, we know what the problem is. If we know what the problem is, you have to know what the problem is, uh, you. But I think that this was just so different and so fun um, for us to see a GM come out and address everything head on and say, this is where my head's at. This is what's going on. This is what we expect. We love Roquan. We want Roquan here. And we're glad he's back. And then Roquan comes out. And yeah, it wasn't like a peppy, like, I'm glad to be back. I'm glad I'm like going to be a bear for life. It wasn't that, obviously. But it was him saying, like, look, I'm here to play out my contract. And I'm going to be who I'm going to be, which is a very great athlete and a very great football player. And he even, like I said, made comments about not being mad if he got tagged and things like that. So to me, it didn't send like feel like the end of the road. Yeah, and I, I definitely don't think it's the end of the road. I'm just... Part of me is just so terrified of le- losing yeah. him, you know, and that's the thing at the end of the day where it's just like, I don't want that to happen. Mm-hmm. And I do think for me, like, it's something you pointed out is like Ryan Pohl is going on talking to the media. He is not a people person, mm-hmm. I would say. He's not someone who's out there just trying to go talk to people. And like, he's like, hey, I'm going to address this. I'm going to put the rumors down. And like, I don't know, the thing that I feel like puts him in a really hard spot is Roquan Smith is an immensely likable guy. Like, not only as just a player, but as a person, like, he's nice. He's cool. Seems like he interacts with the fans very well. Like, he just seems like a guy like you want to have on your team. So yeah. like. It's very hard to deal with the pressure from fans being yeah. like, pay him, pay him, pay him, pay him. And like, yeah. for being honest, like I was doing that, like you were doing it to a certain extent. Like mm-hmm. all of us, we want Roquan to get paid. Yeah. But like at the end of the day, like you have to be able to make the hard decisions. You have to be able to be like, hey, I know all the fans want this to happen right now, mm-hmm. but I'm not at a place where I feel comfortable with this happening. So yeah. we're going to wait. And, that- yeah. And so like for me, it's just like, yes, I am definitely a little uncomfortable because like there's a chance he could leave. But yeah. also at the same time, like I do recognize like this is his job. He's doing the best he can. And like, yeah, yeah, it might take a little longer than I would like. But like, as long as it gets done at some point, I'll be okay. Yeah. And at the end of the day, we hear players say it all the time. It's a business. And they say that when they leave their team to go to another team to make more money. Or we hear that when they're holding out because they're not making the contract they want to see. Or they're sitting out of a season. Le'Veon Bell, Jalen Ramsey, just a couple to name. Antonio Brown. Um, But you really quickly... forget that the it's a business also goes the other way and it is a business for ryan poles and and at the bottom line is he's there to do what's best for the bears as a whole and that goes on many factors not just getting one guy that plays football really well but that means making sure that the the contracts that you do sign out aren't going to hurt your team in the future because we've seen that also plenty in the last few years unfortunately it's been for bad players like nick Foles or mike glennon but I think that you do forget sometimes that these guys have a lot of decisions to make and one player's contract is not technically the priority for them at that moment. Yeah, I do think something else as well is that like that Bears fans I don't think would be as frustrated with the process if as they are now if the offseason was a little bit more eventful. Mm-hmm. And I do think a lot of Bears fans were like, hey, we didn't do a lot, but like, hey, we couldn't do a lot. We didn't yeah. have a ton of draft picks, didn't really have a ton of cap space. But maybe we can still re-sign our all-pro linebacker. Mm-hmm. And that'll be our one thing we can be like, hey, we got that done. This, yeah. And then it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. And I do think that's why a lot of Bears fans, like myself, reacted so negatively initially. And like, you know, like, you just want everything. I just want everything to be okay. Yeah. I want Roquan to be happy. I want the Bears to be happy. I want Ryan to be happy. I want everyone to be happy. Yeah. And not everyone is happy at the moment. So I'd like that to change. But like, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, you can't change it. 
Yeah. Uh, right now, they're just going to play football, play through the year, and then hopefully everyone stays healthy and we get a deal done. Yeah, and I think that there's been panic buttons hit way too early already. Uh, this guy's been here for six months, and people were like, panic, 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 because he didn't do this, and he didn't do this, and he didn't do this. Well, it looks like he had a heck of a draft. Um, and just the glimpses we've saw so far with Jaquan Brisker, with Kyler Gordon, with Trenton Gill, with Treston Ebner. Braxton we're, Jones. With Braxton Jones. We're seeing all of these guys. I can't believe I didn't say Braxton. With all of these guys that were in his draft. So to me, great draft already. That's one check mark for polls. Number two, I like the way he handled Roquan. Roquan's back. He's playing. He's playing out his contract. Um, that's a check because we could be going into this season Roquan-less, and that would have been very bad. Um, Tevin's back. That's a, a positive check mark. There's a lot of good things that Ryan Poles has done, but I think a lot of people immediately are so used to the Bears being such a disaster that they see these little things and they're like, oh gosh, we got to worry. Like, this is going to go negatively. Um, but let's move on from that a little bit. Let's talk about some of the other things he said. Uh, one of the things that stood out to me that I didn't even think about was how this starting roster in general is 50% turnover from last season. It's a lot. That's a lot of new guys. And uh, that's fine because we weren't a good football team last year. And I think that that's what a lot of people want to point to is how bad, like, okay, well, he didn't do this and he didn't do this, but, and this roster's so bad. And like I said, a lot of it's national media. Like, true Bears fans that have been following along know that some of these guys have the potential to be very good football players. And we've seen glimpses of it, whether it be last season or whether, whether it be in camp in the preseason. But I think that when you look at it as a whole, this Bears team was awful last year. The yeah. offense couldn't score. They couldn't get down the field. They had one of the worst red zone percentages in the league. The defense just died halfway through the season, and they couldn't hold anybody to anything. Um, and that's with Khalil Mack and Akeem Hicks. I think Hicks was hurt for a good portion, and Mack had his injuries here and there. But that's with those two guys. That's with them up front. That's with Robert Quinn getting 18 sacks. That's with Roquan Smith being on the team. So I think when you ha you take a step back and you look and you're like, 50% change is probably good. Yeah, and like – I don't know. I do think part of the thing with the defense, though, is just like I think they saw how bad the offense was, and a lot of those guys were older players who were expecting, you know, to be good, like mm -hmm. Khalil Mack and Akeem Hicks and all those guys. And like once you get to that point in the season and things are just going terrible, like it's pretty easy to just be like, I don't care. Yeah. And like I'm not saying that they're just like going out there giving like half-assing it, but like yeah. at the same time, it's just like when you're in a playoff hunt, you're gonna mm -hmm. play harder than you're not in a playoff hunt. Yeah. Plain and simple. And like you know, when you're getting paid a lot of money and you want to stay healthy. Why go out there and try and tear ACL when you're going the hardest you can? Because yeah. like, I get it. It's not. It's hard to stay motivated in the situations. And I do think having all these newer, younger players will bring a little bit of life into the team because, like, it's not. It's a lot less of just being disappointed with what we haven't done, and it's more being excited about what we're going to do. Yeah. You know. Well, and just on. I mean, I think it. I I get it. I guess, but there were also a lot of really close games that the defense blue that we could have won oh, I can yeah. point to the Ravens right away that game because of the defense we lost you couldn't hold on you couldn't beat whoever Hundley Huntley or whoever is the backup Lamar Jackson wasn't even playing and you couldn't stop so I don't want to hear the excuses about that because you're a defensive guy getting paid a lot of money and there were a lot of close games like there, oh, yeah. there were games that were just out of range but even the Cardinals like you had them within a little bit of range towards the end of this towards the end of the game um the I said the Ravens already and I think the Packers game at one point the second half defense just imploded on themselves and you could have won that one um so there was a lot of games where you could just be like it was the defense that ultimately I mean, the, ruined yeah, it. you're not you're not wrong at all and I like I do think that like I don't know I feel like the defense kind of as you said like they have portions of the game this is kind of last we're talking about really, mm -hmm. but like they'd have portions of the game but they're looking good looking good looking good and yeah. then like all of a sudden but, just 
Whether it be penalty, penalty, or just missing tackles. And Eddie Jackson, we were seeing just missing open field tackles here and there. And we've we've addressed this situation on other podcasts on the defensive back podcast of we think that will be helped this year having another guy aside him who was good at playing football yeah. uh, because last year he didn't. So there, I think there are, I think they brought people in here. You lose Cleo Mack and you lose Akeem Hicks. And even Aaron said he's worried about that defensive front um, when it comes to the defensive side of the ball. And I get that because it's a lot of names that you're kind of like, what? But that brings me to my next point of I like the way it seems like they're going to use a rotation. I personally like that. Um, and the reason I do is because I'm as I'm watching these preseason games, there's multiple guys that I'm seeing making plays. And that's Travis, that's Kyrie's Tonga, that's Justin Jones, that's Angela Blackson, um, Jack Sanborn. All of these guys, linebacker, but defensive line. I, I haven't feel like I haven't seen a ton of Joe Thomas, but everything I've read on Joe Thomas has been like insane. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if I just hasn't I haven't been as focused on him because he's not one of the young guys and I've been so focused on the young guys like Kyrie and Travis. Um so I personally haven't seen a ton, but they were saying like he's been winning camp hands down, like batting balls down, pay scoop pick up touchdowns like all of these type of things and and practice so that's promising to hear muhammad obviously coming from the colts with flus there's so many guys that i personally like and it's not these big it's not khalil mack but there's multiple guys that can make plays now on that defensive line so i like that it will be rotating and i like that we'll see kind of like a little bit of freshness throughout the game yeah i do think that was a very interesting little nugget he gave us because i wasn't aware of the fact that Flus was so heavy on the rotations and Mm -hmm. like I also think it does make the signing of like Muhammad to me make a little bit more mm-hmm. sense because like I looked at it and I was like, oh, like we signed this Muhammad guy, like we're gonna trade Robert Quinn because like we have Robert Quinn and Travis Robert Quinn and Travis Gibson. Yeah, like, why would all, we need all of that? We're all set, exactly. Mm-hmm. But like we haven't traded anyone and they're all still here. But like it's because like there are gonna be a lot of snaps where like maybe all three of them are out there, maybe only one of them's out there, you know, and they're gonna be rotating guys in and out and all that stuff. So yeah. like it's gonna be a lot of moving on the front. And like as we said, like maybe Travis Gibson doesn't have Go from what was it seven eight sacks last year, and yeah. he, maybe he doesn't make that. Maybe that doesn't become double double digits this year. But maybe as a whole, we see more production out of the group. Because if you're looking at it, and if Travis Gibson has the same, like if he has five six, and Muhammad has the same five six, and Robert Quinn goes down because look, realistically, getting eighteen sacks again is going to be He's very also difficult. Very old. Yeah, but let's say he even gets eight or nine. Between three guys right there, you have nine, let's just say nine, five, and five. That's a pretty good sack number between three guys, you know, and that's not even including some of the other guys that you may be seeing getting to the quarterback. Um, so, I, yeah, I like the rotation, and it does make a lot of sense for some of the signings that happened and for the way that we have seen some of these preseason snaps be handed out. Um, another thing, Matt Adams, glad to hear he's back at practice because I honestly did not know that. Yeah, I mean, the linebacker depth for me is – it is concerning, I feel like. I mean, like, once you get to Roquan, it just really drops off. Mm-hmm. Uh, a quite quite the bridge there. I mean, yeah. and I don't know, like, it was really funny when Aaron was talking about it. He's like, oh, yeah, I'm most concerned about the defensive line. And I was like, yeah, I think there's concerns there. But for me, it's it's the linebackers. Yeah. It's the linebackers. And, like, yes, Roquan Smith is just like, yeah, he is one of the best in the league at his position. But after that, it gets very concerning very quickly. Mm-hmm. And if something happens to Roquan, God forbid, yeah. it's going to be really bad really fast. Yeah, I, I personally, I like uh, Nicholas Morrow. I think that having him and Roquan next to each other is going to be fun. And like I said, Joe Thomas, um, I mentioned him with the defensive line, but he is the other linebacker. Um, he's the guy that I said have been making a lot of noise in camp and people are very 
very excited about some of the things that he've said. And like I said, I haven't seen much, but mm-hmm. apparently, I don't know. Like I said, I'd have to go back and look at his snap numbers and see if he's actually been on the field a ton because I'm not totally sure. But he said uh, Matt Adams is back. I think that's good just for depth purposes. Jack Sanborn, we've seen a lot of. That's good for depth purposes. Um, Caleb Johnson, he said he's concerned about. So that is not fun because that is a guy that a lot of people were talking about. Um for that he's kind of like death behind Roquan type of guy. So like you said, if something happens, God forbid, to Roquan, behind that is a little a little iffy. Yes. Um, so is there anything else for you that kind of popped out to what he was saying when it comes to the defensive side of the ball at all? Uh, I mean, on the defensive side of the ball, I mean, I think we kind of covered a good amount of the defensive line. So I mean, what he had to say about Brisker, I mean, yeah. that was fun. I love mm-hmm. hearing that. I mean, now we're talking defensive front, really. But like, yeah. he was very pra- praised, a lot of praise towards him. And like, I, know, I we don't think we've talked about the fact he had to get surgery yet. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not something that's super. Oh, he, yeah, we didn't talk yeah, about Yeah, I don't think that's something that's super concerning for mm-hmm. me. I mean, I know like it's. His finger, you know, yeah. like obviously, like when you have defensive backs, like your hands are important. Yeah. Like at the end of the day, like you he, can bat him down at least. Exactly. Just can't catch him. So like, but... it, it, so he'll still be able to play. And like, yeah. I'm not super concerned about that. But like, he is someone I'm really excited about. Someone I really want to see more of was Kyler Gordon. Yeah. Uh, he got mentioned briefly in the interview too. But mm-hmm. like this upcoming game, it's we're gonna hopefully see a lot from Kyler, and we're yeah. hopefully gonna see a lot from the rest of the team. So it'll be exciting. Yeah, we didn't get to even recap that at all, really, because we did our podcast on game day last week, yeah. and then now it's been almost it's been a week. And not to mention like the starters like barely played. Either, yeah. So like we hardly saw anything. But Kyler Gordon was fun. Yeah. Kyler Gordon, granted, Seattle looked absolutely terrible, but he was chasing <laughs> down Geno constantly and oh, yeah. i was like okay this I, is fun i, I remember uh, coming in the next day i was talking to you and i remember seeing because kyler gordon i wasn't super familiar with his number yet just mm-hmm. like seeing it initially and like i saw him chasing after like geno smith in the backfield i was like is that a defensive end or something i was like wait that's kyler gordon why is he back there I was <laughs> I know, where is like, he way coming to go from? way to go man so. and it was fun and it wasn't the only play he made um if we're talking about it, we can mention a few things that stood out, obviously, because Valus. Valus was very fun punt return. to watch. Um, yeah, punt returning during that game. It was uh, the special teams in general were great. Trenton Gill been just been crushing it. Um, I th- I want to say half of his punts landed inside the ten. I, I want I literally want. I think it was four for eight is the number I saw, and the rest weren't like terror. It wasn't like he was punting twenty yards. Yeah, yeah. it was very good punts. Um, they scored a touchdown off a muffed punt. Valus had. A, a, several really good runs and I can't remember the other punt returner that was back there but he had like a 58 yard run um, the special teams was really fun and some people may not that's another position group we didn't technically talk about on an episode but that's that's an important part of the game a lot of times especially for a team who can't score all the time offensively hey Taylor special teams is a third of the game so <laughs> it's, it's important they say <laughs> that so. is true and obviously Santos he's just cl- he's been clutch for us yeah. since he got here which, thank, thank god we I have know. someone that's reliable at kickers it's like, been it was so stressful for so long of just trying to find that kicker after the parky double doink. I felt like it just I felt, a revolving door. Oh my gosh. It that camp was just like one after another. So it's been nice to find Santos. Um so those are just a few of the things that stood out. The Justin Fields only was out there for one drive, and so you didn't really get to see much of at all of that. Um the protection for him looked terrible during that game, but I do think and a part of that is that you don't have Lucas Patrick there. I do think Lucas Patrick is going to make a change. Uh, I mean, make a difference. And I do think that Tevin being at right guard is going to solidify and he'll get a little better. He was only two days of practice at that game at right guard. Yeah, so. I think something else that me and you did notice uh, the day after the game was we were talking about Trevor Simeon got a pretty good amount of clean pockets. Yeah. Justin Fields didn't. So it's possible. But like, so like, theoretically speaking, we can make a clean pocket. Yeah. And like, yes, Justin is definitely a lot better at moving his, using his legs mm-hmm. and sometimes probably uses them a little bit Too more soon. than he should. Yeah. But like, 
we can give someone enough time to throw the ball. So like if we can do that for same man, let's do it for for, for do it for Justin. So. Yes. And so one of the things that I kind of mentioned talking to Aaron also were was the defense for the Colts. And the reason I'm saying that is because it was Eber, it was Eberflus. Eberflus was the defensive coordinator and Indy. And so that was his defense. Um, when I look at those numbers, it's a little concerning because the the Colts passing defense they allowed way too many yards. They allowed way too many touchdowns. Um, but that's what our secondary can help with. And that's yeah. why I kind of brought that up because I think that obviously you want like the pass rush. That helps a ton. But if you don't have the pass rush to be able to fall on, fall and rely on your secondary, being able to get turnovers, break up passes, um, knock the ball down, things like that, that's definitely very helpful. And I think that we do have a secondary who can um, – very strongly helping that like for example the Colts had allowed the most the second most passing touchdowns last year behind Washington they yeah. had allowed 32 passing touchdowns last season yeah it's a lot and I do think something that kind of Aaron Tan touched on is like I think the Bears recognized that that was a weakness for the Colts and they very Fixed aggressively it. attacked mm-hmm. that position group in the draft yeah. and so far the early returns are good obviously yeah. it is very it is way too soon to say that even Jaquan or Kyler any of the guys are hits mm-hmm. but things are encouraging at the very least so I do think that they are aware of what their issues were prior, and they're trying to fix them. Yeah. So that's a good sign. Yeah, and I think that that could have been a very a very early conversation had, you know, Eberflus coming here and them saying, like, what was your biggest issue with your defense and Indy? And he could have been like, secondary, we got to fix that. And they were like, perfect. Like, we see some guys that we want. And you can look at automatically the, the moves they made. Uh, with Jaquan Brisker and with Kyler Gordon, and it did seem very intentional. Yeah, and I do remember with, I mean, like, I'm not an expert on the Colts by any means, but I do remember when that he was there, like, their corners, I felt like, were usually a lot of, like, journeyman guys who were, like, I remember, like, uh, Xavier Rhodes was there for mm-hmm. a year, and, like, he had kind of been bouncing, like, one of yeah. those names that had been good, and, like, Malik Hooker was their safety for a while, and, like, he just, like, tore his ACL, like, every other year, and so, like, they did have some issues in terms of, like, depth and actual talent there, but, like, if you can get the depth and talent there, which the Bears seem like they're trying to do, like mm-hmm. I think we're going to be okay. Yeah, I agree. And then when it comes to the rushing defense, they had uh, the Colts had the 10th fewest yards, and then they had the fourth fewest touchdowns. We just need to get us a DeForest Buckner on the defensive line. <laughs> yes. And then we'll be good. But I think it's promising knowing it, that's what Flos does. Yeah. And so I think I, I – I think there's a lot of positives there. There are a lot of question marks because, like we said it when we were talking to Aaron, it's a lot of young guys, and if they're not young, they're guys trying to get, like, second and third chances somewhere, and they're proving themselves. Um, so, yeah, we have a game in a few days, and it's the last preseason game. A game not not, not only that we have, that the starters are going to play a half of, is a half. what we're hearing, right? That is a little scary to me um, just because – and I, I was talking to you about this the other day, and I was like, it's never – truly made sense to me how they do preseason because I've always thought it should be opposite like I always thought that you should start your starters right away in the first game and then in game two and I get it your left's practice by then but if you get injured in preseason game one you have a month to get healthy before the regular season now if somebody gets injured in this game you have two weeks yeah and I do think something else that we talked about this a little bit too, is there the three weeks for the preseason, that's like a very new thing still. Yeah. And I do think a lot of coaches like trying to figure out yeah, how to manage it. A lot of them were very set in, other than like, you know, guys like Matt Nagy. Yeah. Were very set in in terms of how players played. You mm-hmm. know, like the first two games, you had a little bit, almost nothing from the first game, a little bit from the second game, a quarter out of the third game, and usually like a half to a third, to, to through the third quarter through the fourth game. 
no longer the case. And I think a lot of coaches are trying to experimenting with what they think is the best. And like, this is Iberflus's first shot doing this. And like, you know, I think he just wants to experiment in his own ways and see what makes his team the most prepared. Obviously, if we throw up a big stinker week one against the 49ers, yeah, maybe, want re- maybe we want to readdress this next year. But I, I'm not, I don't have a problem with it. Yeah, because we saw, and I think that for the Bears, it worked this season because the Bears have had a lot of injuries through camp. So the Bears weren't able to play a lot of their starters in week one preseason or week two because there was a lot of injuries. And maybe they weren't serious injuries, but they were kind of nagging injuries or they were just not totally 100%, so you didn't want to take a chance. So Eberflus did what made most sense, the most sense for the Bears. I did see that the Browns will be playing a decent amount of their starters too, so we're not going to be going up against schmucks, but obviously is, is, Deshaun is, Watson won't be playing. Oh, Deshaun's not playing? Yeah, I don't I think he's checking. playing any. He didn't play any of the rest of the yeah. the preseason. Is, is this special part of the Dobbs preseason? Dobbs has been though? playing very well. Yeah. Honestly, Josh Dobbs. And I'm a little surprised. He was in Pittsburgh for a while. He was in Jacksonville for a very short period of time. And I just never saw anything impressive. But what I've seen from him with the Browns, I'm like, wow, he actually looks kind of decent. But they also have two of the top backs in the league. And I think both of them will be playing. I mean, not to um, mention Dearness Johnson. He's not no slouch either. Oh, no. Their defense is is good. Yeah. I mean, the defense is really good. Like, the running back room is super deep. Like, honestly, like, they could, you know, the Browns are Super Bowl contenders, except for the fact that they're missing their quarterback yeah. for 11 games this yeah, year. Yeah, until is, week 13, technically. Or, yeah, so it's just... So, yeah, because yeah, it's 12 weeks, but they have their bye. So, like, until week 13. Yeah, so that's that sucks for them, because they do have a team that could be very competitive. And their defense, when you look at any of the defensive rankings for the season, a lot of people have them in the top 10. So, the Bears aren't going against some just, like, whatever defense defense in their final preseason game. It's going to be a challenge. It's going to be a challenge for that offensive line, which I think is good because we also have the 49ers defense week one, who is yeah. probably the top one, two defense in the league. Yeah, I mean, when you have a guy like Miles Garrett, I think a guy like Nick Bosa, very comparable yeah. in terms of, like, the skill level. And I do think Miles Garrett's honestly better. So, like, at this point... We it's saw what be- happened against Chris Jones. Yes, so I think it's <laughs> going to be very interesting to see how a guy like Braxton Jones lines up a guy against, like, Miles Garrett, who's mm-hmm. just so physical. I think arguably the most physically imposing guy in the league. Yeah. I mean, did you see him wearing that suit at the draft? Was it, like, last year or two years ago where, mm-hmm. like, he was exploding through it. <laughs> it was just the seams were popping. And it's just like, how is that? He, and he looks like a teddy bear all at the same time, too, which is crazy. But, like, he is just such a scary individual. And I think lining up against a guy like that is going to be a real, real challenge. And, like, yeah. not to mention Jadavian Clowney, yeah. not bad either. No. So, like, it's going to be a tough challenge for them. And, like, if not those guys are playing, starts. so we'll have to see how they do. Yeah, so, and I don't know how much they did say for a, a little bit of time. They said majority of starters for a little bit. I don't think... Um, as much as Eberflus is going to put his starters out there just because these guys, he's just trying to figure out, like, okay, who do I want to start on this line now? He's still trying to figure out a wide receiver because nobody's been able to – Pringle's been hurt. Um, we haven't been able to see a whole much, a whole lot of Equinemius because Justin Fields hasn't been on. So when you when you don't have your starting quarterback in the preseason games, it's kind of hard to tell who he's clicking with. Yeah. What would you say is the one big thing you want to see tonight? Um, I think – I would say tonight. Tonight, I do that that all the time. I always am just like, we're playing tonight. You make me second guess. I'm like, like, what is tonight? No, no, it's not tonight. (laughs) It's Saturday. When we do this recording earlier and release, it messes us all up. Time is not real. That's all that matters. But I'm going to say when we play. Yes, whenever we play. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I'm going to say two things. I'm going to say the offensive line, and I'm going to say the receivers. I really, really, really want to see, especially playing a half. Touchdown from Justin Fields, whether that be to Cole Komet, Darnell Mooney, Equinemius. I don't know if Pringle's playing. I don't know if he's back. I don't think he's ready I don't yet. think he's ready yet. Yeah. So we're not going to see him. Um, I would love to see Velas a little more in the offense and not just punt returning. Um, 
just to see what we have there. I think it'll be interesting. Tajay Sharp, I, he was injured too. Not totally sure if he'll be playing, um, which is a bummer because he's he was fun to watch in that first preseason game. Um, so I think that, and then obviously the O-line, because the O-line battle is coming. I mean, it's cutting it close to when we need to figure out who is starting where. And obviously Lucas Patrick will make a change when he comes back. But it looks like it's going to be Tevin and Larry on the right side. Yeah, and I, I mean, I think the big thing for me is like kind of going out the O-line is I want to see clean pockets tonight. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I know that Justin is a guy who can get out of the pocket and make a play on his feet, but like, give him some time. Give him some because time because when like, he has time, like some of those balls that it's just are so released, pretty. Oh, it's just like, oh my god, like this guy's gonna be amazing. And it's just like, I don't know when he when he gets out of the pocket and he throws on the run and he just absolutely nails a run. I love watching that. But like when we were watching the Seahawks game, it seemed like every single snap he was sprinting everywhere, and like mm-hmm. he definitely does have a tendency to do that a little bit too much. But also at the same time, it's just like. When there's guys all around you and you're as fast as he is, I get wanting to be like, I'm just going to run away. Yeah, I got to get out of this. Yeah. so like, Because there's some big guys running at you very quickly. Yeah. So like, I understand like him wanting to get out of there and stuff. But also, like, I want to see him have more confidence in his offensive line to mm-hmm. give him the time and, you know, give him the opportunity to make those big throws. Because, yes, he can make great, great big throws on the run, mm-hmm. but it is so much harder to do. Yeah. And, like... You see guys like Patrick Mahomes that go out on the move across the body 60 yards. Sidearm. You know, yeah. It's possible. But, yeah. like, Justin definitely is not that. And, like, at least not yet. At least not yet. That's yeah. what I'm saying. At this point in his career, he's not doing that. And, like, who knows? Maybe he does. But right now, I'm not expecting that from him. Yeah. So I just want him to be able to do something basic. Mm-hmm. Because, and look, yeah, like, basic things are important. So, like, if we can make a basic good pass, we'll get a little more complicated after that. Yeah. And I think that Iberflew said that this game is going to be more of, like, a walkthrough of what to expect from the actual offense, which is good because I feel like the first two preseason games, they were kind of containing Justin, which I do not want Justin Fields to get hurt. So I don't want them to just be like, do you and run everywhere and be crazy because I don't want that to take a chance. But I do feel like there were plays during the first two preseason games a little bit that he played where normally he would jet off and would have got 10, 15 extra yards and he wasn't running. Um, and I think some of that is like, don't get hurt in the preseason. So let's not like jet off out of nowhere when you can't find a receiver open. Because normally there was a couple times where I'm like, there's nobody open. Like nobody has separation, but he could run and get 10 yards. There was also another play against Seattle where Equinemius was wide open on the left side of the field and he sh- takes a shot to Mooney in the end zone. I think those type of things normally that would have went to Equinemius for the first down. But because he knew he had limited plays, he was just like, let me try to get a touchdown right now. Yeah, I do think the big thing for me as well is just I don't want the offense to be painful to watch. Yeah. You know, like I want to have. I want it to be fun. I want. I, I don't need excitement, but just, yeah. so you know, like a mild level of enjoyment. Like, you know, like something that will mildly get the heart rate going a little bit. So it's just it's it's been very not fun for yeah. a while now it seems like when it comes to offense and i just want some excitement and like you do have those moments with justin mm-hmm. but i would love to see the consistency there and i know he can do it but you just got to give him the opportunity to do so yes and uh one quick thing dylan before we go uh Obviously, I've mentioned it on here before, but you and I both work for 1010XL, which is the flagship of the Jaguars. So the Jags played the uh, Steelers last weekend, and I don't know if anybody watched Mitchell, but he was like Houdini behind his offensive line. Running around like oh my, oh, the, was... the amount of sacks he got out of that he should have been taken down multiple times in. And like Jags fans are like, why aren't they tackling? And I'm like, that's what Mitch does. Like Mitch, People don't realize how fast and big Mitchell Trubisky is. That run is. against the Patriots, everyone forgets about it. Yeah. Yeah. He's a it was a big dude. So it was kind of it was like kind of fun to watch, but at the same time it was a really weird position for me because being here, like I want the Jags to win because it's funner to talk about winning football. But I'm rooting for Mitchell Trubisky because I feel like he kind of got the short end of the stick here. So I was like, Oh, 
oh man, like what do I do in this uh, in this uh, situation? But it's a very close battle between him and Kenny. Pickett. And, and so, something else also that just reminded me of when we were talking to Aaron and he predicted a stat line. If I do recall, the stat line he said was pretty much like Mitch's like best year. Yeah, it was like it was like three thousand three thousand yards, mm-hmm. like two thousand or what was it like twenty touchdowns yeah. and like twelve picks. Yeah. It, that was pretty much his was best it like year. Like twenty four, twelve. Is that? It was, it was, it was something pretty like much that. like that, and yeah. like that. I, that's something that I could very much see Justin doing, and mm-hmm. he. I think Justin has a lot of similar skills to Mitch. Yeah, for in sure. terms of mobility, and I think he's better in a mm-hmm. lot of those things. But like, I do think there's a lot of similarities there. So like, at the end of the day, like, if we can get Justin doing that, doing the best that Mitch was, because I think he can be so much better than Mitch was. Yeah. At the very least, if he can do that, I'll be happy. Yeah, because I think athletically, they and the way they play football is similar. But I do think Justin Fields has the football smarts a little bit more, and we've heard the testing, all of the little tests that they have for football players, and Justin's like scored the highest, the highest, the highest on a lot of these things. The one I always forget the name of, but they say he scored higher than Patrick Mahomes on when it comes to like football IQ. So that is definitely a factor that could help him. He just has to have the right guys around him to give him a little bit of time to make those plays. Um, All right, so we're out of here this week. Like I said, we're going to be off next week. So you have fun with your girlfriend with your week off. Yeah. And uh, the following week, we'll be back, and I'll be ready to leave for Chicago. I leave that Thursday for Chicago to go to the Bears 49ers game. So that'll be fun, um, but we'll be able to kind of see what this depth chart looks like by then. Yeah, all the listeners should be very excited. They're going to get the live, in-person Taylor Dahl scouting report. (laughs) There you go. All right, well, we'll catch you guys next week on Making Monsters. I'm Taylor Dahl. That's Dylan Ryan, and we will see you in two weeks. See you then.